0: Something else I did I just want to touch on here before we get to the NC State game. This popped up on my Twitter feed during the commercial break. Okay. Uh, how much do you think a luxury suite at the Super Bowl is going for?
1: Let's see. Vegas. I mean, tickets were going for like what? A luxury suite I'm going to go at 26,000. 2.5 million. Oh, I was off. <laughs> oh, sorry. I left a like comma and some zeros on there. <laughs> yeah. My apologies on that. 20
0: and that comes with 20 tickets, okay. which is about 125 grand a person. Gosh. Only two parking passes. You really? can't fit twenty people in two cars. I mean, unless so, you got unless you got vans. So you're paying no. If you're paying two point five, you're rolling up in something cooler than a van. So you're paying two point five million, and you're also gonna have to go spend like eighty bucks on parking, food and beverages included. In case you were wondering if you were gonna get oh okay I mean, at least you, you got that you were, too. You're gonna get caught for the thirty dollars drinks in addition to your two point five mil. Okay, at least drinks and stuff are included. Uh, Mrs. McCaffrey. Who's Christian McCaffrey's mom, Ed's okay. wife? Mama McCaffrey. Mama McCaffrey said, uh they looked into getting a a suite and they couldn't afford it. And then she said, Not even Christian, Mr. Moneybags. It's like, yeah. Nah. She said, I got a son that has made Signed a $64 million contract in addition to his first-round contract that he signed coming out of college. And he can't afford to put us in a suite for the Super Bowl. So I guess they're just going to be, you know, nosebleeding it with the rest of us. And by the rest of us, I mean the rest of the people that can afford the absurd Super Bowl tickets. Can you imagine, though, you spent a couple grand on some nosebleeds? You start chatting to the person next to you are you a big Niners fan? What are you? Are you a Chiefs fan? They're like, well, actually, the running back is my son. <laughs> yeah, the all-pro. Uh-huh, my son. Hey, just scored another touchdown. This is the best we could do. All right, that just struck me as funny. The Drive with Tim Donnelly, ninety-nine-nine. the fan. Georgia Tech at NC State this weekend. This is the second leg of NC State's must-win stretch. Saturday at home against Georgia Tech. It's the second leg. You don't celebrate the second leg, by the way. You're happy you accomplished it, but you, you, you're not done yet. To quote the late, great Kobe Bryant, job finished. I don't think so. Job not finished. It's not done yet. But the good news is you did meet, beat Miami in the first leg of this must-win three-game stretch, so you have something you can uh, evaluate and build off of. The changes, right? I called for big changes. The changes began earlier this week against Miami. Now it's about evaluating those changes. Now you have to decide which changes worked and which need to go back to the drawing board. And that's fine. Both are important, right? This change worked. This one didn't. Perfect. The one that didn't, throw it out. Let's try something new in its place. Or even this, which changes worked and need to be taken further, right? There's Basketball is probably the best example. When you have a player who maybe isn't featured but is shooting 48% from three, something crazy. Actually, it's going on right now with a Duke player in the NBA. Uh, Grayson Allen is leading the NBA in three-point percentage. He is shooting lights out from three. You know what my response is when someone is shooting like 50% from three? They're not shooting enough threes, Right keep shooting until it drops to like 42 mm-hmm. because it's still 42 keep shooting it. that's what I'm saying because if you <laughs> if you can hit more volume and and maybe you lose a little bit of efficiency but the volume is going to make up for it right so if you made a change and something worked have them do it again have them do it again do it more do it more right until eventually you find the equilibrium because there's a point where you know the volume is is going to start hurting your efficiency and then you you throttle back you find that middle point. So if I'm looking at the Miami game and thinking what Kevin Keats did differently for NC State and what I might want to build off of, meaning see if I can do it more, or seeing, all right, that's stable, stick with it. I'm I'm looking at four names. I'm looking at O'Connell, Morcel, Taylor, and Horn. Big minutes. Those four big minutes. I don't want this revolving door of a rotation anymore. If one of those four guys, who are the four main characters from the Miami win, they're the ones that played the most. If if, if they're out there and they start slow, if they're out there and they have a couple eh, maybe not great plays, I want to let them play it out. I want to let them play through it. I want to let them try to fix it. I want Diara playing most of the minutes of that fifth spot. Middlebrooks playing the next most minutes of that fifth spot, and DJ Burns taking the third shift. With the acknowledgement that if DJ Burns gets hot or if Middlebrooks gets hot, you ride the hot hand, I'm fine with that because we know both of them have certain abilities. But, and specifically with DJ Burns, you are better defensively without him. With Diara out there, you're better defensively. There's more versatility. There's better rebounding. There's more second jump. And that's what the Miami game was about. You lost three straight games. Then you won against Miami. And, and I'm going to lean on Kevin Keats for this one. Kevin Keats in the postgame presser switched places with a reporter. He put Chip Alexander at the podium. We've talked about it a bunch if you've been listening to the show. First of all, thank you. But second of all, I have a different uh, angle on it, so stick with me. What question did Kevin Keats ask? It was very obvious. Kevin was sitting in the reporter's chair, asking a question of a reporter who was sitting in his chair, and he wanted to he – he's not going to ask a question that points out something bad, right? He's not going to go, hey, did we really botch that pick-and-roll coverage early in the second half? That's a weird th- – you know, point out your <laughs> flaws. You're going to ask a question about what you think you did really, really well. What question did he ask? He said, how is our defending of the three-point line against a team like Miami that averaged 80-plus and 10 makes from three a game? That's what he wanted to highlight. That was the good. So I, don't take it from me. Take it from Keats, right? The thing they did better against Miami, defend. They took a really good offensive team, took them out of their game, ran them off the three-point line, made them shoot tough threes, made them shoot contested threes. What else did they do differently against Miami? They didn't have their slowest-footed big man on the floor nearly as much. I don't pretend to be a a genius. I can connect basic dots. I can go A to B, right? Mm -hmm. I can go 1 to 2 to 3, and then, oh, look, it made a smiley face. Like, I've got a 2-year-old at home. I know how to connect the dots work. Uh, Almost 3. That is obvious to me. If you made a change to get a better defensive player on the floor and you played better defense – and you won the game because of your better defense, the next game you play, I think I see where you should go. Yeah. Now, going against Georgia Tech is a little bit of a different beast for this reason. They're coming off a massive win against UNC. Their perimeter players did not look very afraid. They did not look very uh, affected by UNC's defense, which has been at times, and maybe even most of the time, one of the best in the ACC, especially over the last two months. So you're going to have to, if you want to hang your hat on defense, if you want to follow the blueprint, you're going to have to ramp it up even further. You're going to have to ramp up the defensive effort, the defensive energy even further. You simply have to. But let's be real. If you're going to play your way back into the conversations you want to be in, back into the NCAA tournament bubble, back into the top tier of the ACC, meaning that top four or five bubble, it's not going to be easy. Of course you're going to have to
1: do tough things. It's the Atlantic Coast Conference for a reason. Now, one thing that you hear pretty much every coach will tell you. I, I even think about when I was coaching college across was that defense. If your defense is good, it'll travel with you when you go on the road, neutral site, wherever it is. Defense will travel with you. Offense can go hot and cold, just depending on the day. You might run into a team that's defending really well. The the rim for mm-hmm. some reason is like three inches too short. There's that or, one guy behind there, and he's talking trash. Exactly he's getting in my head. But defense is always going to keep you in games. Speaking Simple of as Happy that. Gilmore, you will not make this putt. Yeah,
0: can't finish it. Yeah, you can uh, uh, uh,
1: But nonetheless, defense is always going to keep you in games. That's why we're... you ask, like, take it, for example, like hockey. Rob Brittenmore is like, I'll take, a great, <laughs> I'll take an elite power play, or, or excuse me, an elite penalty kill 10 times out of 10 over an elite power play because even a power play can go hot and cold.
0: Yeah, the, the way I say it is, is defense doesn't slump. Yeah. Defense is effort and energy and it's, and it's knowledge. And, you know, like right now we have uh, here in the studio, we have, we have golf on. Best golfers in the world, if, if they tweak their, their swing one millimeter, all of a sudden they can't control it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, same with shooters, right? You, you'll see Steph Curry go quiet for a game. Maybe not as quiet as, like, dead silent, but it, he'll have off shooting nights. But that, when the Warriors were at their best, they still had that elite defense and running gun in the small ball lineup. Like, there's always something you can lean on. So, yeah, the defense matters. Absolutely it matters. There's, there's no way to say this. Without, this next story, there's no way to say it without breaking a smile. Can't, smile. can't say it with a straight face. The SEC and the Big Ten are, are, are forming a partnership. Oh. Tell me if you've heard this before. The Big Ten forming an agreement with another conference to have each other's back. Anyone remember the alliance? The, the
1: super alliance? Sounds like an alliance with a conference that no longer exists. Yeah, we'll have your backpack 12 yeah. Oh, wait. We're just going to take your schools. Maybe it's the kiss
0: of death. Shout out, Big Ten. Uh, the two leagues, the SEC, Southeastern Conference, and the Big Ten, have announced earlier today a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletics directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics. It's a power trip. Uh huh. It's a power trip. And here's why. Do you know why how I know it's power trip? It's a brag, it's a boast, it's a look how cool I am. It's a hey, did you see my car in the parking lot? Yeah, it's the the mo- most expensive one. Do you know how I know it's that move? We know about it. I get it. You're the two most powerful conferences in college sports because you have a bunch of football powerhouses. I get it. You don't got to convince us. Why is this public? Why is this not like like uh I'll I'll use this for an example. Dave Canales and Pete Carroll are buddies, right? The new the new Panthers coach, Pete Carroll, his mentor. They are currently employed by two different NFL franchises. You don't think they're going to talk this year? But guess what? They're not going to come out and say we have a brainstorming session between Dave Canales and Pete Carroll on the flaws of the week one game plan that I had put together. They're not going to do that. They're just going to call each other up. They're going to ask for favors. They're going to they're going to ask for advice. They're going to talk about it. They're going to help each other. And, and then they're going to hang up, and they're not going to run to the media. Why is the SEC and the Big Ten uh, putting out a statement saying, we shall have each other's back, if not because they just want to be like, And the ACC is not invited. Right? It's the kid that gives out his birthday party invitations in class and gives it to, like, his seven specific friends and then looks at someone else and goes, oh, sorry, not you. Yeah, Yep, here's your invitation. Here's your invitation. No, not you. No, not you. You're not cool enough. You're not powerful enough. You don't have enough friends. It's a bully move. It's a flaunting your power move. There's nothing that says the commissioners of those two conferences can't get on the phone and not tell anybody. There's nothing that says they can be like, hey, listen, this NIL thing. Hey, listen, this super conference we're talking about. Hey, listen, let's chat. Let's jump on a Zoom. Oh, you're still on Skype? Yeah. Okay, fine. Never mind. <laughs> we'll talk on the phone. We'll FaceTime. Oh, even an Android. Mm. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll just talk on the. Call me when you're you're driving home to your mansion. I'll I'll be in my mansion. I'll go into the the phone room. It's it's a pure public flaunt of power, and it's going to have the desired effect because the ACC has to be bummed they weren't included, right? And the commissioner and 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 the the presidents and and I'm sure they're upset. Bubba Cunningham is somewhere probably on phones right now. Florida State is on phones right now saying, we weren't invited to the cool kids party. We have to get out of the ACC right now. That's what Florida State is saying. But also guess what? As history has proven, this means nothing. The Big Ten has a history of not caring about their alliances. Oh, the last one lasted about a week. And 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 kind of really messed over the other people in the alliance. Yeah. If I'm the SEC, I'm not in this, like, oh, thank goodness the Big Ten has my back after I just watched them stab someone else in the back. And the SEC has no reason to think about anyone else but themselves. The SEC doesn't need the Big Ten. They got Texas and Oklahoma coming. You had like. All right, ready. I'm a big just because the word alliance comes up, my mind immediately goes to Survivor, right? I feel like that's when it entered the public lexicon. Uh, that the early 2000 Survivor. Well, I'm the nerd that watched Survivor all the way through like 45 seasons, right? I binged it, loved it. I have favorite players, I have favorite moves, I have unbelievable blindsides. And guess what? The people on the show that edit the show that edit Survivor, there's a rhythm. You watch about 30 seasons, you start to see it. And guess what happens? As soon as someone in their little confessional off to the side, talking to the camera, says, oh, me and Brenda have an alliance. Brenda's, I think I can trust her. Guess what happens by the end of the show? Backstab. Brenda backstabs you in dramatic fashion at tribal council, (laughs) and everyone's jaws are on the ground. And then the next thing you cut to is them in their little, I just got voted out confessional to the camera going, I never saw it coming. Brenda, she told me she had her back. And guess what we're doing back at home watching on TV? Brenda had backstabbed like nine people already. How did you not see it coming? You were a part of three of the backstabs. You, you were with her. You knew she was capable of it. If the SEC enters into an agreement with the Big Ten, it's like entering into an agreement with Brenda. You just watched her backstab somebody else. Now you're like, yeah, I'll trust her with my vote. I'm going to give her my immunity idol. She won't use it against me. If you w- watch Survivor, not only do you know exactly the vibe I'm talking about, <laughs> you know Brenda. The Big Ten is Brenda. The Big Ten is Brenda. And guess who the Pac-12 is? This is not a joke. Same actual episode or actual season. Chase Rice, the country music singer. Oh. He was on Survivor. He literally was on Survivor, and he got backstabbed by Brenda because he was her little puppy dog just following everything she
1: did. Aww, poor I guy. didn't.
0: I watched the whole episode, didn't know it was, like, year, or the whole season, years later, didn't know it was Chase Rice, just thought it was Chase because they don't announce last names. At the reunion show, he was like, I'm just trying to do this country music thing, brought out a guitar. I was like, that's Chase Rice. Trying to do this country music. Thing. It, it was before, and it ended up yeah. working. He parlayed Survivor into a whole career but he was not a good survivor player because he did what the big what the SEC is doing right now. He trusted the the serial backstabber. If I'm the ACC, I maybe even if they called and said you want to go into this, I would have been like, "Well, no. I'm going to duke it out myself. I got enough problems with Florida State backstabbing me. I don't need to welcome other wolves into the hen house over here."